Good morning and happy Monday. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is July 17th, and today we are reading from the Big Book and Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the chapter How It Works on page 68 at the third par- uh, the last paragraph. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Becky K, Meg F, Kathy Joe, Rocky I, and Maggie S. The reference number for Sunday's special edition is 10161. That's 10161. And for today's 7 a.m. Vision for You meeting, 10162. 10162. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous, <clears throat> excuse me, with a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Rocky I to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Rocky. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, very well. Thank you. Okay. Good morning. This is Rocky Recovered in Tempe, Arizona. The 12 steps of overeaters anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless inventory of ourselves. Five, Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so within them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Start through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of this test, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Rocky. I will now ask for Maggie S. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Maggie. Thank you. Good morning. This is Maggie S., recovered in Springwater, New York. The 12 traditions of Overeat is anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, 
Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Maggie S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone, which actually someone is unmuted right now. If you could press star 1, that would be great. Uh, In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, in the chapter, How It Works, on page 68. And I'm going to ask Becky Kay to get us started down at that last paragraph. Go ahead, Becky. Good good morning, Amy. Uh, Can you hear me okay? I can hear you very well. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. This is Becky Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Maryland. Now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get off way off track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex. We bewall the institution of marriage who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fear and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of other sexual conduct. We all have sex problems. We hardly be human if we didn't. We can, what can we do about them? We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom have we hurt? Did we unjustify arouse, jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we, excuse me, where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. In this way, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subject each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. Remember, we remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. Okay, so three um, chock-full paragraphs here. You know, the first paragraph talks about um, habits with regard to sex, but it it could be related to just about any habit. And my habits simply were not normal. Um, when it came to eating, I binged, and in some cases with regard to the the habit of sex, um, it was definitely all over the place. And, and what this tells me here is that when my habits 
um, are not normal, whether it's food or sex or whatever, I have to follow the next two paragraphs. Number one, I have to do a personal inventory. And number two, I have to rely on God. And so the second paragraph where it says, we reviewed our own conduct over the years. This is taking um, an inventory and looking at my role in this situation. Where was I selfish? Where was I dishonest? With regard to all my unnormal habits, my habits that were were havoc, um, I have to look at my role of it. And, and then I have to look to the future. Okay, well, if my role, and I know my habits aren't good, I know I need God because step one and two says I'm powerless, but God can help. So then I have to look at that third paragraph. I have to look at God and, and, and program principles. Is that that part of God that I have to apply to all my affairs, sexual or otherwise? Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Becky. So who would like to share on what was read? Meg F. Jackie P. Elizabeth D. Jackie P. Elizabeth D. Okay. Anybody else? Judy P. Judy P. Liat TV. Was it Liat TV? Liat TV. I may have butchered that, but we'll go with that. Anybody else? Thought I missed somebody. I have Meg F, Jackie B, Elizabeth D, Judy P, Liat B, Liat Liat TV. Okay, got it. All right, we'll go with that, please. Meg F., you are up. Good morning. Thank you, Amy, for moderating. Um, Good morning, everybody. My name is Meg F. I am recovered in Northern California. And I have, uh, wow, been around for so many decades. I've never understood many of the words in these paragraphs. Um, I looked up uh, the whale. (laughs) Uh, to express great regret, disappointment, you know, bewail the institution of marriage. People were feeling extremes is clearly what they're talking about to me in the first paragraph. But I looked up, what's a straight pepper diet? Like, what are they talking about? So it seems that, you know, when some voices are saying that sex is the lust of our lower nature, a base, and it should be like less, no, no flavor, for your fare, and the other would have us on a straight pepper diet, which I understand that they're saying pepper as being very, very hot, and like lots of it. Um, so we stay out of the controversy. We don't want to be the arbitrator of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human, and that makes me think of Joe and Charlie just saying, you know, all the troubles we get into, they're just part of our instincts that have gone awry, and I appreciate that when I've heard that, like. Like all of it's on the spectrum of normal, but it gets abnormal because we're addicts. And that is uh, certainly difficulty. And I have been in that. I think that um, we review our own conduct. And where has it been selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate? I thought, okay, so where's the other one? Where's the fourth one of those? Huntsman, <laughs> we're always looking for fear, being being the one that's not um, in my 10-step list, you know, selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, um, or self-seeking and fearful. I noticed that that wasn't there. I wondered what that was about, actually. Whom had we hurt? Often it was me um, in areas of sex. And did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? You know, did we use our sex abilities or our sexuality or our sensuality to be un, you know, selfish, self-seeking. So that occurred to me as a problem. Something that occurred to me that I thought, you know, as our book changes, it, it doesn't change, but as our lives and now we have anorexia and bulimia and we have so many things we've added, I think anorexic sexual behavior is really, really, really an issue in the world and um, often gets short shrift. And I think that, you know, certainly when I was 
at high weights, I would certainly restrict um, any sexual activity because I just wouldn't allow anybody to get close to me in that way. So that was difficult. So we tried to shape a sane and a sound idea for our future sex life. And we subjected each relation to the test, was it selfish or not? And I'm pretty much noticing the book as being a guide to me to, am I going to be self-centered or God-centered? I'm married 28 years. Am I going to be generous and kind and interested and and attentive and engaged and working at being all I can be sexually in my marriage, or am I going to coast? And um, I hope that I uh, keep working. And with that, I'll pass, and I really appreciate the paragraphs. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, my guest. Jackie B., it's your turn. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes, very well, thank you. Thank you. Um, where what I got here from this is uh, we're su- we subjected each relationship to the, this test. Was it selfish or not? And I would add to that, dishonest or inconsiderate. Um, you know, I've been programmed a long time, and I've and I've done a lot of inventory. But uh, my last inventory had to do with regards to my husband in this subject. Um, And I had to look at that. I had to look whether or not um, I was selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate. And I had to really look at that and realize that I was inconsiderate um, and dishonest. Um, Not that I was uh, cheating, not that I was cheating on him, but that in our relationship, I had, um, you know, like denied him, uh, our, you know, intimacy, uh, whether physically or emotionally. I denied intimacy with him, um, and I had to be accountable for that uh, because I would rather uh, be intimate with myself versus with him because I didn't want to. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to have to reveal myself. I didn't want to have to reveal myself intimately with him. And I had to look at that. Um, Today, I am so grateful because I did an inventory. I was able to put it on paper, deal with it, share it with my sponsor, and then do an amends. And that was so uplifting because I don't even realize that my husband realized uh, that I knew that he was right, that I had been uh, denying because I just didn't want to have to say, you know, I want to be intimate with you. I want to share my mind, my body, and everything in our relationship. And because I did that, he had more respect for me today than ever before in our relationship. And so I say, no matter where you are, whether um, husband, not husband, anything else, somebody's unmuted, I have to realize that that's an important effect. Also, I have to be honest about is that... um, my uh that somebody else I heard share at an eight at a at an eight o'clock meeting, you know, also was I in relationships to that may lead to be intimate, uh, or may or just that emotionally they were fulfilling me mentally in that in that sense. Um gotta look at that. So with that I I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jackie B. Elizabeth D, your turn. Elizabeth Star One, please. To unmute. Can I be heard? There you go. Yes. Okay. My name's Elizabeth D. I'm recovered in the Boston area, one day at a time. Um, 
it is, it's almost impossible for me to imagine taking three minutes to talk about what this has meant in my life. But there's really one simple concept here that, um, that pops out on me today. Um, it says, now about sex, many of us needed an over, overhauling there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. And here's the rub. It's so easy to get way off track. And I'm a compulsive overeater, and um, my experience has been when I get down to my goal weight, and I've been in, I was in relapse on and off for 10 years. When I get down to my goal weight, all of a sudden, I want to start getting into the dating scene again. And what I have come to understand is that dating, male attention, sex, is another form of addiction for me. And, um, and the, the bottom line is that I'm looking for someone or something to complete me, to make my life easier or whatever. And, and by seeing people and men and others that way, it got my relationships way off track because I was only thinking about myself. It was all about getting my selfish needs met. Um, even though I couldn't even express or even knew what my needs were, but it, everything always got messed up. And um, what I understand today, because this is very complicated and I can't go into detail, what I understand today as I'm pushing 60 <laughs> is that the most important relationship in my life today is the relationship that I have my, with my higher power. And that means that I am reviewing my conduct daily. I am doing 10, 11, and 12 daily. And what I have found by having a spiritual awakening and doing that work is that the question of whether or not I have a relationship, whether there's a man in my life, is moot today. I just have leaked. It's now in God's hands. And if God wants to put somebody in my life, God will put somebody in my life. But it's not in my hands. And I don't have to manipulate or move or do all kinds of machinations and move everything around to make it happen to somehow completely. The most important thing in my life today is my relationship with my higher power. Everything is secondary to that. And as a result, I have found peace and serenity around this issue. And, you know, if I get into a relationship, I know what to do. Um, I go straight to the steps. And um, so I'm very, very grateful for that um, serenity today, and I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. Judy P., it is your turn. Thank you so much for your service. Hi, Judy P., compulsive overeater from central New Jersey. I'm so grateful um, to be on this call today. Ugh, these paragraphs. And you know where it says many of us needed an overhauling. I don't even know if I needed an overhauling like a total destruction and then a rebuild. And um, I'll be honest, let's see, I'm going to be 60 in April. And I'm married 22 years, dated my husband for three years, and was in a relationship for eight years prior. And I still am not clear on my sex ideals. Um, You know, when I was young, uh, and most of my uh, growing up life, I was exposed to a great deal of pornography. And it really impacted uh, how men view women for me. And um, I've just still struggled with um, with getting just a clear view. I I do pray to God to shape my ideals. Um, he's helped me in so many ways. Uh, but i got to tell you, it's got to be my biggest challenge today. And, um, you know, I always had a problem with um, addiction to fantasizing for hours. Why I was married? Why was in my last relationship? I always seemed to have to have like this person du jour who would last, it could last a week, a month, a few years, who I just totally obsessed about and focused on and built a fantasy life in my head with them. And when I came back five years ago and, um, I heard somebody sharing on a phone meeting, this guy, and he shared how he had to let go of those thoughts. And I remember thinking, are you kidding me? No way. They're like, they're like in 
embedded in me. I couldn't even imagine not having it as part of my life. And that's something God has really helped me with. And it has been hard. And if I catch myself going there, I just have to say, no, don't stop. Um, and, you know, it, it's been hard. Uh, it was hard when I blurred uh, fantasy with reality. And uh, that really set me for a loop. Um, and I have to remember, that's where it can take me again. Uh, there's no such thing as, oh, I'll just keep it, you know, at a distance or whatever. It's sort of like saying, no, I'll just have one small sliver of cake. I won't eat the whole cake. And, you know, once I go there, I'm powerless, and it just takes right over. And I'm very grateful for the most loving and forgiving God I could ever imagine who blessed me with this amazing recovery in spite of what I did. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Via Tidi? TD. Sorry, I'm not getting that name straight, but please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, Thank you. This is a very sensitive subject. Um, uh, Man, but it's, you know, it was helpful to me when I had to get through uh, my inventory, my fourth step inventory, and it was divided into four sections. Resentment, fear, harm to others, and then harm to others other than sex. You know, and when I get people through and they get to sex, especially women, you know, I get women through, um, they, well, I don't have anything about sex. And uh, I, looking at my life, the three most difficult things that I, you know, the bottom things that I had to face was food, uh, money, and sex. And, um, you know, as a young girl, I also was exposed to pornography through my family, and that was sex. And then, uh, uh, so my vision of intimacy was very twisted. And then um, I used sex to manipulate, to attract attention. I was very promiscuous. Uh, anyone who wanted me got me, you know, I, 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 I used sex like food, you know, I got little highs, I got a little reprieve for my own pain. And so um, sex was a tool for me and either to manipulate, to punish, to build my self-esteem. Uh, and I don't know how this is one of the gifts, you know, they say it's one of God's gifts. Obviously, I have kids, and I understand that that was a gift, but I don't see sex as a gift. For me, sex is a very deep, vulnerable, um, unclear, confusing thing in my life. And so I like what somebody said about, you know, overhaul. I I need a full demolition, and I need need to put everything away and... uh, and build it up, and so, man, I'm grateful, you know, I was thinking about, there's the groups here, uh, I don't know if you, uh, people that you don't use spices in their food, they weigh and measure, and they don't use spices, and then they limit themselves with so many things, and, and I can do that, you know, and today I can enjoy food and celebrate it, and I love food more than I loved ever, you know, in eating, I, I love it more today than I lo- I ever loved it when I was binging. Um, so I feel that it's the same with sex, you know, enjoying it uh, through God, you know, and it has to be, it has to come out from my experience with God, my relationship with God. If I am, my relationship with God is is good and I feel clean and I feel full, then I'm able to relate to my husband and and have that honest communication and love and intimacy and vulnerability. But if I am bankrupt, then I want my, that reflects also into my intimate uh, success. I love you all. God willing, I'll see you in the conference. Thank you, Leah. Uh, we now have time to take more shares. So who would like to share what was read? Please go ahead. Chime in. Carolyn C. Carolyn C. Kathy Jo. Leslie W. Stephanie. Sherry KB. 
Sherry KP myself in here. Carolyn C. Kathy Joe, there's somebody I keep missing. Stephanie, Sherry, who else? Leslie W. Leslie, there we go. Anybody else? Okay, we'll see where that takes us. Carolyn? Carolyn C., please go ahead, followed by Kathy Joe. Hi, this is Carolyn C. Can you hear me? I can hear you well. Thank you. Go ahead. Great. Hi. Um, thanks. I am recovering um, compulsive reader in Colorado, and I am still working the steps. Um, but when I got to step four, I heard a lot of really helpful information. And what I found is that um, sex for me is so it's it's equally pervasive and subtle and cunning in areas of my life that I had to really look at um, very deeply and in every corner of my life, not just with men but also with women, institutions, places where I'd been, um, ways in which I would use it even at the grocery store to get, you know, a little bit more food for less money or a discount on a product because, you know, I wanted to taste it or, you know, oh, gosh, I love going to Whole Foods to give you a taste of anything. Um, and so I used my my sex in a way to get what I wanted. And the other thing is, like many people that I've met in this program and on this, and on this line that I've heard, um, I was sexually abused in many ways throughout my life. And so that caused the, the reaction of feeling like a victim a lot of the times. It also caused me to use my weight as a way to use my sex. So whether it was gaining weight to keep people away from me and isolate or losing weight as a way to, again, use my sex to attract people, to justify my behaviors. And it just, um, it's just, it's such a, it's such an intimate part of this process that I cannot separate that. And it's even today as I work the program, I find, you know, not on a daily basis, thank goodness, it's, it's, I'm much more aware of it. I think God is lifting that defect from me slowly but surely. But there are moments where I find myself, you know, just slipping into some of that behavior and needing to be aware of it and catching myself and um, praying, you know, taking a pause and praying to um, be what I be what I want to be. And part of that was really um, creating a vision or rewriting, as some folks have said, but creating a vision of who I want to be. And going through the fourth step was so powerful in terms of in each individual area. I had a bigger sex inventory than I did a resentment inventory, which, you know, I don't know what that means about me, but it wasn't all. Carolyn, we lost you. Carolyn C., we lost you. Okay, we're going to go ahead to Kathy Joe. Carolyn, sorry about that. Kathy Joe, your turn. Hi, Kathy Joe, recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. Um, I'm just going to say that I was the good girl. I thought I did no wrong, and it was everyone else. And what I have is right into these meetings, I confronted someone about flirting with me. And when I called a fellow, I was so proud of myself. And she said, you owe him an amends. And I was like, what are you talking about? He flirted with me so much. And what I found out when I did my review, and part of this is that I wish that I would have waited or paused because I damaged a relationship, is that I walked around fishing for compliments and selling myself all the time, trying to get validated from other people to feel good about myself. And then when people didn't follow my script and misbehaved, I decided they were the ones. Anyway, I, I want to mention that, and I also want to mention that I got stuck um, at times with my weight loss, 
because I think I didn't feel safe in my body because I didn't trust myself, I'm finding out. And when I did get attention, I compromised some of my values at times to, again, feel loved and feel better about myself. And I just want to say that this program works, and I can't believe that I am beginning to feel safe in my body. I'm now down 100 pounds, and for the first time in my life, I don't feel like um, I have to hide and I have to protect. I got God, I got my values, and it feels very different to me. And the other thing I want to mention is that I um, punished my husband and used sex as a tool to make him do what I wanted. Um, Anyway, that's what I have today, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Jo. Stephanie W., I think it was. It's your turn, Stephanie. That's all, boys. Okay, Stephanie, well, we'll circle back to you then. Uh, Sherry KB, would you like to go ahead, please? Good morning. Uh, good morning, Amy G. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader, and uh, thank you so much for your service. And uh, welcome to everyone on the line. And a lot of good things have been said so far that I would have said, so I'm going to try to look at some things differently about this. And what, what comes to mind to me is that, you know, what I appreciate so much about how this book is in order for a reason, you know, when I'm now in step four and I'm looking at my part and I've learned to build a relationship with my higher power that's carrying me through this kind of work and especially to being able to be open to look at what my part was, not what the other person's part was. And, you know, it says here that, um, you know, where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? And we got this all down on paper and looked at it. So, you know, for me, I am, I'm in a place when, I've, when I was doing my fourth step that I was prepared to do this. I was ready to look at what my part in it was because all I could see in the past was the other person's part. And so for me, I had to look at not only my sex relationships, not only my intimacy, but intim- emotionally intimacy, not only sexual intimacy, but emotional intimacy as well as how I treated people in the world. And um, I've been working on a, a Step 11 train, and one of the questions asked is how do we serve people in the world? How do we treat them? And, you know, that's something that I've been working on a lot because for some reason my head tells me when somebody doesn't know who I am, I can get away with murder. And so, and I can act a certain way. And that's not what God would intend me to be. And so if I'm asking God to mold my ideals and to help me to live up to them, not only in my sexual relationships, my emotional intimacy, the way I treat people, and I can look in the past and I can see what a manipulator I've been um, with not only my husband to, you know, get what I want to use, um, you know, whatever weapons I have in different ways. That's what I've really noticed about myself, and it's not just the sexual um you know, weapons that I've used. I've used all kinds of ways to manipulate and to get what I want. And, you know, just to see the areas where I've been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. And whom did I hurt and and justifiably arouse jealousy or suspicion or bitterness. So, and then also what I love is in this, and what we're reading now on page 69, uh, which happens to be sex, that we are, we have a prayer here that we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. And there's actually two more prayers that we'll get into for the rest of this um, chapter that helps me with, with my relationships. And so I'm just very grateful that God's, you know, running the show now and not me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Leslie W., please go ahead. Thanks. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you well. Thank you. Great. Thanks. This is Leslie W., Compulsive Overeater, Tennessee, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. Um, I could not let this uh, topic go by without talking about this. And um, so, okay, three minutes. 
please come because I can go a long time. Never thought I'd be excited to. About two years ago, I guess it was, my husband sat me down and I had a one-year-old baby. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I want out. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being manipulated by you. I'm tired of your empty promises. Um, I feel like um, you've taken my manhood away from me um, and my sexual prime away from me. And uh, when I heard that, and <laughs> there were some other things that are said, but it's not important. Um, I, I, I I was afraid. Um, I was angry, um, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to fix it. Um, I, we were pre- preparing to separate, and um, you know. I, I um I said these prayers, so I just decided that either either we could get a divorce, or I could I could start praying, and see what happens. So I went to page sixty nine, and for an entire year, I got up early in the morning before my kids woke up, before my husband woke up, and I went to I went to a place quiet place in my house, and I. I prayed I prayed this prayer. God, um help me to to see help me to review my conduct over the years past. Help me to see where I have been selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. Help me to see where I was at fault and what I should have done and what I should do now. God, please help me to mold my sex ideals and help me to live up to them. Help me to be willing to grow towards my ideals and help me to be willing to make amends where I have done harm. I also pray, God, please show me how to make amends to my husband. Help me to keep his well-being uppermost in my mind as I try with your grace to make this relationship right. And I pray those prayers for gritted teeth for the first three months because I hated my husband at that time. Um... I felt like a victim. I felt he should feel sorry for me. I felt like I should get a free pass in the bedroom because I was sexually abused as a teenager. Um, I stripped that. I, I, I really did manipulate that man for many years. I manipulated my husband for many, many years and felt justified in doing it. Um, and uh, I, I can say that today, um, God has, has truly worked a miracle in, in my marriage and completely changed um, the dynamic of our relationship and given me the willingness to be vulnerable in this area. And, and I am so grateful for that miracle. With that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, we have time for one more, and then I'm going to chime in, too. So who would like to chime in with me? <laughs> Reggio. All right, Reggie. Great. You're up. Hey, good morning. Thanks, Amy, for your service. It's really been great to hear everybody this morning. I'm so glad the sex section is in the big book. And uh, it really came alive for me when I went through the steps with uh, my sponsor in uh, Vision. And it reminds me of, you know, two pieces uh, that we've done uh, from uh, – an inventory part before we got to sex, and that is fear and self-centeredness. You know, selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my problems. And fear is that underlying thread, you know, that corroding thread. And uh, my some of my history with sex has, both of those have been so involved. And I one of the things I learned, a fear that I, I had uh, that came to light a couple of inventories ago was fear of intimacy. And I had realized long ago, although I didn't really understand when I got this, that I had used sex to both avoid intimacy and I had withheld sex to avoid intimacy. So I had certainly, I had certainly used sex and it was, and and in a very selfish way, I I never thought, you know, of 
I never really thought of my partner in the way. Well, not that's not true. Not not ever. But there were so many times that I didn't think of my partner. It was only you know, it was only for me to get something. Whatever whatever that was, whether it was controlling, whether it was using sex to keep a relationship, to get a relationship, to not get too close, to protect myself, and you know, it really is. Um, I mean, it's an instinct. We were given it for a purpose, you know. It's a beautiful thing. And it's kind of like food. It's a wonderful thing, you know. I come to appreciate food so much more as I'm uh, as I'm using food for the right reasons and honoring it and paying attention when I eat, you know. I think it's the, the same thing with, with sex, with intimacy. It's, it's such a gift. And to come to terms with, I mean, this, this promise and this prayer you know, uh, please mold my ideals and help me to live up to them. You know, let me let me not be selfish, but let me be, you know, true to myself and think of other people. You know, in this in this process, this beautiful thing that I have, and uh, so it's just really. I'm so glad that this is a part of the inventory, and uh, so glad for everybody's share this morning. It was really great. Thanks. Thank you, Reggie. I had my timing off a little bit. Is there, we could probably take, well, actually, let me, I'm going to go ahead and share. My name's Amy G. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Now about sex. I mean, I just love it. They don't hedge. They don't pull any punches. They basically know that the sex issue is going to be an issue for us when we come up into the inventory. It says, you know, we're in the chapter, how it works. We're in the inventory. And remember, in the beginning of the chapter, it says, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough. I mean, there's no joke here. We need a personality. I need a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. It becomes very clear, as Reggie said, as we go through this inventory, that there's more to this disease than meets the mouth, if you will. It's not just about the food. That was but a symptom. The issue and the problem was me. And if I don't look at these things, and I, then, I, then I'm not going to change. And to be fearless and thorough. So here we are at the sex one, and they're saying, okay, we're going to tackle this head on. Most of us need an overhaul. And I don't know about you all, but even coming in at 22, I needed an overhaul, like others had mentioned. But then they also say, look, we, don't, we want to stay out of the controversy, and yet we all have sex problems. And they're basically saying, you know, I, I, I saw myself as terminally unique. I was worse than everybody. I was more dysfunctional than everybody. I was, you know, did worse with sex. I, you know, I had to be worse than anybody. It was almost like negative ego. And yet it says here that we all have sex problems. It's something that we're going to have to deal with and understand about it. And what I did in my inventory is to understand my part and when it wasn't my part and when I was abused or when I was the abuser or when I was a little bit of both. It helped me clarify. You know, it says we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it in the promises. And I can tell you, as others have mentioned, the freedom that had come through the difficult working of this inventory, the freedom that came from seeing the truth for what it was, for just for what it was and being free of it, was incredible for me. And yet they say stay out of the controversy. I mean, for me, what that means, and this is just my opinion, is that when I am a sponsor, for example, you know, I deal case-by-case basis in dealing with people's inventory. There's no, like, um, pat answer to everyone's sex inventory for me as a sponsor. I, I respectfully and, 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 and listen, be a good listener as to what it is that they're expressing and, and help them themselves look through these issues to find themselves on the other side so they can be free and move on to the rest of the steps. So it is a process. We all have the problems, and sex is one of them, and we'll deal with them. It's just another part of the inventory. And I'm just so grateful that they are not afraid to take it head on in this book, and yet they say we all have them, and we can all get to the other side. There is no pat answer, but we, if, we are, if we are honest and open and willing, you know, we'll we can go through this and we can we can recover from it, whatever that is in our past, and then try to shape the ideal for the future. And with that, I will pass. I've got Jody, about, you? Jody, I've got about two minutes left, so please go ahead and wrap us up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovered in California. Oh, this is a great topic, a difficult one for me. Um, it's pretty easy for me to see how I've been selfish in this area. Um, it's painful to look at it. 
because I know I have hurt others. Um, but, you know, that, again, is where the freedom lies, is seeing my part. And I, too, was sexually um, abused to a point as a teenager. Um, and I was just talking to someone yesterday about that. How can I have been at fault? Well, you know, I even if I was taken advantage of as a young person, I can I can under I can have compassion for myself, yes, because yes I had a part in it, and there are reasons I had a part in it because I went through things in my very early childhood that made me put me perhaps in a position to be promiscuous to to a certain extent. But what about the people who abused me? If I look at them with compassion, they too probably had abuse in their childhood. Very often abusers have also been abused. So yes, I, um, you know, I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to condemn myself for my harm. I can have compassion for myself. I can also have compassion for others. And this, this is just all a beautiful process of coming to accept ourselves and others more fully and to accept my humanity and go to my higher power for healing and help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. I'd now like to thank everyone who has shared. We are now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164. And I'm going to ask Meg F. to go ahead and read that, please. Certainly. This is Meg F. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.